You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, coming to you for the first time today. And James, maybe we get away with one show today. Maybe we'll have to do more. We're recording this a little bit <laughs> earlier. It is currently 525 Eastern time. And the Bengals have made three moves today at the time of recording, James. We obviously have to catch up and talk to each other about Trey Hendrickson. I did a video. I did a write-up. You did a podcast. You did a write-up. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later in the show, just to have a little bit of back and forth, see where we're at after the dust has settled a little bit on that deal. But let's talk about Chidobi Awuzi and Mike Hilton. First, let's start with Awuzi, the bigger signing of the two in terms of average per year. He's going to have a bigger role. He's going to be an outside cornerback for the Bengals. We do have full contract details on Awuzi's deal. It's just over $7 million per year. We'll talk a little bit about the structure in a minute. Let's talk about the player first. Said to be by those that know better than us, I haven't had a chance to watch him yet. A better corner in zone. He was a second round pick by the Cowboys. He had an elite athleticism score in terms of relative athletic score from Math Bomb, the guy that tracks all the testing numbers and and has a percentile. So really good athlete. Had an injury in 2020, which I didn't know about until Paul Daner Jr. tweeted about it. He was on IR with a hamstring injury for a while. But prior to that, PFF had him as a slightly above average corner in the NFL. And a fit for the direction I thought Lou Anarumo was going, which was toward more zone coverage in that secondary. This makes a lot of sense, I think, from a a Lou Anarumo scheme standpoint. First, you like the age, right? He should be entering his prime. You like the athletic profile. I saw a video of him running 22 miles per hour to track down Saquon Barkley a few years ago, which was really impressive, right? Because that speed certainly translates to the field. But ultimately, it felt like William Jackson III, and we had Doug Farrar on a couple of weeks ago, it just wasn't a fit in Luana Rumo's system. And now the Bengals have essentially taken the money they would have given Jackson, around $15 million per, you would assume. And they've gotten two starting corners out of it. And a guy in a woozy who probably is, like I said, reaching his prime, entering his prime. They feel good about his athletic profile. And then they were able to get a, a nickel corner out of the deal as well. So if you compare Jackson to a woozy, obviously Jackson's the better player. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the, the complete picture. You got to take Mike Hilton into consideration as well. And when you look at it from that perspective, I feel pretty decent about what the Bengals did today from a cornerback perspective. I agree with that. I think that they've at least, or maybe at worst, gone laterally. If everybody's healthy, a cornerback room of Trey Waynes, Chidobe Awuzie, Mike Hilton, and Darius Phillips is a solid top four corners. Last year, you just replaced two of those guys with William Jackson and with Mackenzie Alexander, still a good group of four corners. They just have to stay a little bit healthier there. The the difference might be that Awuzie might be a better scheme fit. Like you said, James, I, I don't think he's a better player the William Jackson, but he was about half the price. And is it going to be an appreciable defense or sorry, an appreciable difference in Lou Anarumo's defense with these two guys compared to the cost of Jackson plus a slot corner? And there's a lot to say about Hilton too. Here's a guy, 
Yesterday when we were streaming, James, I said, can you imagine being a Steeler and going to play for the Bengals? And, <laughs> and, and now it's happened. Mike Hilton, a Steeler, has come to play for the Bengals. Obviously, money talks. A couple of guys that I follow and respect on Twitter, John Ledgerd and Ian Whetstone, both guys that are pretty level-headed. They're, they're Steelers guys, and I know how that sounds to you as Bengals fans. One of them is a cap guy. He's really good with the cap. The other one now covers Tampa Bay. He was with the Draft Network. Everybody, I think, knows John. They both saw the $6 million a year figure for Mike Hilton and were like, oh, wow, that, that's a good deal. I would have done that deal. And, and instead, mm-hmm. they're upset that the Steelers are continuing to, to pay Joe Hayden. People have done some threads. Uh, Bengal Sands, I recommend everybody goes follows him. He has a thread up on Trey Hendricks, and he has a, tra- a thread up on a woozy. And currently, as we're recording this, I just saw that Steve Martinez is doing a thread on Mike Hilton, who he says can fit the run like a linebacker or a safety. Hilton is known for his ability to rush the passer from the slot. He's had 60-plus pass rushes every single year in his four years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was an undrafted free agent. He tested poorly, but he really came into his own on that Steelers defense in the slot. He had good agility numbers. That's what you're looking for in the slot. Doesn't have the great long speed the way that a woozy is a 4-4 kind of guy. But there is a lot to like in this duo. There's a lot of versatility you get with Mike Hilton. And you can see why Lou Anarumo would like him. Now, is it the best set of cover corners you could possibly have in three, these three guys? Probably not. But I, I do understand the fit. I, I kind of see what the plan is for the cornerbacks. And when you have Jesse Bates and Von Bell to go with it, the secondary is, again, I, I think at worst, a, a kind of a lateral move. And if they were healthy last year, I don't think they're bad. So there's still some work to do on this defense. But in terms of replacements, I think they've done okay with these three moves so far. And I get the value perspective, right? Because instead of going all in on Jackson, a player that they just, they didn't love, let's be honest, for whatever reason they didn't, they clearly um, showed that when they went after Trey Waynes last year. And then they go get two guys in a woozy and Hilton that you really like. And the, the theme it's funny, Jake, because when Lou Anarumo talks about these guys, when Zach Taylor talks about um, these signings, and they're not signings yet, but agreements, but when they get signed, they'll talk. And I wonder how much tackling is going to come up again, right? Because last year it was, oh, yeah, we just we want better tackling corners. And that's why they went and got Trey Waynes. And that was a point of emphasis for William Jackson III, who was better, by the way, at tackling in 2020. And so you look at these two guys and, you know, if I'm Luana Rumo, I'm excited to send Mike Hilton and, and blitz him and use him all over the field because I, not all over the field, but, you know, use him in a variety of ways because he, he seems to be effective in that. But they're all physical. All three guys aren't afraid to tackle. And I think that's the the interesting thing here. Clearly, you're right. They're not the best cover corners, but I think they're going to hit you. And I guess that's what Luana Rumo is looking for. And they are they're all. Well, at least the two new guys have a knack for making plays. Go watch Jadobi Awuzie's mm-hmm. highlights. He's made some big plays. He had that one-handed interception against the Bengals. Like you said, you tracked down Saquon Barkley with that, that good long speed. And Mike Hilton is a highlight reel of sacks. He has a nose for the ball, generally speaking. So you add a little bit of playmaking. And again, maybe they're not the best man cover guys, but this scheme is going to skew hard to zone and, and we'll see how it goes. The, the one thing that I want to talk about here coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about the contract structure that we've learned about for a woozy and why I like it a lot more 
than the Trey Hendrickson contract. I talked about the Hendrickson contract structure a little bit in the video I did yesterday. And if you didn't see that, go check it out at Lockdown Bengals on Twitter. We'll talk a little bit more about Hendrickson and the contract structures coming up next. Before we get into the detailed analysis of some contracts and a conversation about Trey Hendrickson, let's talk about a detailed conversation about Built Bar, the best tasting and generally best overall protein bar on the planet. It's got low calories. You know that. It's got low sugar. You know that. We preach it. High protein, high fiber, real chocolate, and Built Bar Madness going on right now over on BuiltBar.com. Your votes will decide who is the best tasting Built Bar. You got a couple of peanut butter versus coconut matchups going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. And don't underrate the coconut. I know peanut butter and chocolate is the go-to combination. And I too love Reese's Cups. But don't sleep on these coconut hybrid Built Bars out there. They're really good. Remember, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, where you can vote for your favorite flavor and see how Built Bar Madness is progressing. Before we get into the contract structures that uh, Jake is going to break down and we'll discuss here on Locked on Bengals, let's dive into not the news of the day, but the underrated news of the day and the one signing that is officially official, Brandon Wilson signing a two-year contract extension with the Bengals worth $4.625 million over that two years, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. So the Bengals keep one of the most electrifying kick returners in the NFL. They keep them on their team. I know it's a small move. I know it's not what people are looking for, but I like it, Jake. Here I am agreeing with you again, James. I think he can be a really good kick returner. I don't think he's the worst you can do as a backup safety, although I think he is a significant fall off on defense from guys like Von Bell and Jesse Bates. I think he's probably the backup strong safety, by the way. I don't think he's coming in for Jesse Bates. So two years, 4.625 million. Most likely that breaks down into an even split of about $2.3 million in cap hits per year. Maybe a little bit of wiggle either way, but when the money's that small and it's only two years, There's not a whole lot of flexibility with the way that you can structure the contract. But yeah, great to see Brandon Wilson back. In fact, you go back and I was on with with Ace and Zim late last week. And they asked me, who's the first free agent the Bengals are going to officially sign? And it started out as, you know, whoever, you know, Bengals or external. And Ace goes, Carl Lawson. And then I go, Brandon Wilson. And so I thought that this would be one of the first dominoes to fall when I recorded with them. Turns out I was right. They, they did agree to terms with a couple of external guys before the Brandon Wilson news came along. But the first guy since we recorded that episode of, of their podcast, the first official signing, Brandon Wilson. So I'm patting myself on the back for that one a little bit. <laughs> That's fair. If you, want, if you want to do that, go ahead and do it. It certainly wasn't Carl Lawson. Nope. So, uh, Zim, if you're listening, way to be wrong, bro. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's good to see Wilson back. And so so let, let's push the conversation forward because from a, a cap standpoint, it's not really going to impact things. But I think now fans see the Bengals adding all these defensive players. And it, it almost feels like Groundhog Day, Jake, because last year it was the same. Everyone yep. knew the offensive line was crap. And yet they they stood pat. And now – and we I said this like 52 times – 
yesterday on our first show with you and Joe, they haven't built the equity to earn that trust. And so, yeah, there are capable offensive linemen out there. But as we record this, fans are wondering how much cap space do they have? Do they have enough room to add in the trenches? Are they really just banking on Frank Pollock to develop these guys? And so let's dive into the numbers from some of these uh, these three signings from Trey Hendrickson to the two cornerbacks. Yeah, I don't think they're going to come out of this free agency period without having signed any any improvements on the offensive line. I still believe they'll sign at least one, if not two players. Let's talk a little bit about the contracts. If you guys watched the video last night, you know that I wasn't very fond of the way the Bengals structured Trey Hendrickson's deal. He has a first-year cap hit of $12.5 million because while they're effectively guaranteeing him $16 million, that first-year roster bonus becomes guaranteed five days after the start of the league year. They only gave him a $10 million signing bonus. And I'm not really clear on why you wouldn't just give him a $16 million signing bonus and reduce that cap hit in year one by about $4 million. That, that's the difference there. If you take that $6 million roster bonus, you prorate that money over four years. It adds $1.5 million. You take off $6 million. So it actually frees up about $4.5 million of cap space for the same cash spend in this calendar year, the same cash flow for Trey Hendrickson. The only downside to that approach would be that you would have a slightly bigger dead cap hit if you knew you had to move on from this deal later. Now that is a double-edged sword. And so if you look at his deal, the way that it's been reported by national media is that it's mostly funny money. The, The only real guaranteed money, the way most NFL teams operate here is year one of the deal. Because in year two of the deal, if the Bengals decide Trey Hendrickson is a flop because everything has gone horribly wrong, he has a cap hit of seven and a, of, of $14.5 million. But if they cut him, it's only a dead cap hit of $7.5 million. So if, if this goes horribly wrong and the Bengals need to cut bait, they can cut him after one year and save $7 million on next year's cap. They absorb a $7.5 million dead cap hit, which they hate to do. And that goes down $2.5 million every year because that's the remainder of the prorated signing bonus money. So the upside to the way they structured Trey Hendrickson's deal is that they can get out of it if it doesn't work. But if it does work, then, you know, I guess you're not complaining because he's, he's earning his money and you're happy with his production. He's ascending the way that they thought he was when they gave him this big contract. By contrast, though, Jadobia Woozy's deal is exactly how I wanted the Bengals to structure deals in this free agency period. The first year of the deal has essentially a minimal salary, $1.35 million, and they gave him a $7.5 million signing bonus, which is prorated over the three years of the deal. As a result, that means Shadobi Awuzie takes home over $9 million, most likely, in cash in year one of this deal, but his cap hit is only $4 million in year one. That goes up to almost $8 million in year two and about $8.5 million in year three. There are some escalators there and likely to be earned or not likely to be earned uh, active game day bonuses, depending on how many games he plays this year. We'll see what that number comes to next year. It'll max out at $400,000. And again, because that signing bonus is is $7.5 million, if the Bengals have to cut him in the future, 
it's the same thing. They can save money after two years, but most likely that those first two years he's going to play out. I think the same is true for Hendrickson. I think both these guys are effectively guaranteed the first two years of this deal because of the way the Bengals do do business. And for Hendrickson, the second two years are effectively club options. And for Awuzie, the third year is effectively a club option. Unfortunately, we still don't know the the contract structure for Mike Hilton. We do know that it's a four-year deal worth up to $24 million, $8.5 million cash going to him in year one. But that's it as we record this. And it's uh, at 547 right now as I'm speaking Eastern time on Tuesday. But overall, I think we, we both agree we like the players. But where do the Bengals go from here? We'll talk about that next. Remaining cap space and where they go from here, what they need to address. I think everybody is in lockstep. Everybody is in agreement. We'll talk about it next right here on Locked on Bengals. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And March Madness is here. I get it. NFL free agency. It's all you're paying attention to. But let's be honest. You're filling out brackets. You want to make money this week. Well, you can do it with bet online by placing your wagers on those college hoops teams that you think are going to move on and survive in advance, as they say, in March Madness. Bet online also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Jake uses them. I use them. You need to head to their website right now at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't delay. Go there right now. BetOnline.ag and use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, James, before we dive into what we expect the Bengals to do to finish out this tampering period as we get into the actual open free agency period, which, man, the actual open free agency period is a little bit less exciting than it used to be. I do have to make a correction from something I said earlier. For one, I said Steve Martinez when I meant Steve Ruiz. And two, it wasn't him that did the threat on Mike Hilton and said that he can fit the run. That's also our guy, Bengals underscore Sands. So go follow Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter for a number of great threads out there on the Bengals' new free agent acquisitions. And that's S-A-N-S for those wondering. He's done some really great work today getting some uh, film cut up, some, some examples of plays out there for the Bengals' new acquisitions today. Really recommend that guy and the work he's done today. But James, let's talk about what we're expecting to come. By my estimations, the Bengals are probably sitting somewhere around $20 million remaining in salary cap space. They've spent $12.5 million in cap space on Trey Hendrickson. We know that the cap number for Chidobe Awuzie is around $4 million. That's $16 million. I would expect the year one cap hit for Mike Hilton and for Brandon Wilson to put them around $21 million or so in salary cap expenses for 2021. We'll have to see how Mike Hilton's contract is structured. So that means that they have around $19-20 million left with the aces in the hole, James, of the release of Bobby Hart and the post-June 1 designated release of Geno Atkins if they so choose. They might be waiting for the new league year for those moves. I'm not really sure why they would take that approach or or if it even works, but those moves are things that I still expect to happen. And so when we look at this team and you say, what does this team still need? Well, they still need a starting three tech and unless that's actually Geno Atkins. And it, even if it is, they need a backup three tech. 
because I can't believe that they would go into the season counting on Rennell Wren for that coming off the kind of injury he had and losing a year of development. And obviously they still need to add to the offensive line. So I still expect James additions on both sides in the trenches. We're hearing that the wide receiver market is a bit depressed. That's from Diana Russini. So we could see some movement there, although there's been little to no action on Curtis Samuel and it seems like every fan base wants him. So while I still want Curtis Samuel, not getting my hopes up there necessarily, but I do expect the Bengals to be active in the trenches in the coming week. They have to be. But absolutely 100% have to be for this to be successful. They have to find offensive linemen. And, and there are guys there. You know, there are upgrades. Heck, I, I can't believe Hudson got released by the Raiders. But that's a new, another veteran that, that is suddenly out there, a center, a pro bowler in Rodney Hudson that wasn't expected to be released. And you do wonder if there's more to it. But if there isn't and he's just out there. Well, then that's a guy you're you're certainly willing to to look at and should take a long, hard look at. Obviously, Gabe Jackson, Trey Turner, we know the names. Um, they, they have to – Riley Reif, right? Even him, Rick Wagner. There are options. They need to go out there and and, and explore those, and, and hopefully they are. And, and who knows? Maybe they'll sign them by the time we're done recording this podcast, right? But that has to be, to me, priority one now. As, as good as it would be to get a three-tech man, you've given Lou Anarumo so many damn assets – and I get it, defense, you, you need you, you need to add pieces and you don't have a Joe Burrow that can hide flaws, but damn it, you got to protect Joe Burrow. And so that's the next step. At the same time, I agree with you. There could be some bargains at the wide receiver position. Bill Belichick overpaid for the two receivers. As, as good as the Patriots have been in free agency right now and as active as they've been, I, I don't like that they went out and spent as much as they did on Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne, you know, maybe it works out, but... I think they could have gotten better value there. And a guy like Marvin Jones, he signs a two-year, $14 million deal with Jacksonville. I love that. I think that's a, a hell of a compliment and a reasonable deal for him, uh, especially at his age. And so hopefully you can get a bargain there because the Bengals need multiple wide receivers. And so maybe Josh Reynolds signs a one-year, $3 million deal or $4 million deal. And if he's in that range, sign me up, right? That's not crazy. So there's uh, wide receivers to be had, but hopefully they, they prioritize offensive line next and get some of these guys. Because if they sign one or two offensive linemen, I think that's going to change how a lot of people are viewing what they're doing. Yeah, because right now, quite frankly, the, the roster, if they were to run out and, and this is all they did, a free agency ended today and they were heading into the draft, this team isn't better than it was last year. At least it's not demonstrably better than it was last year. And if you think it is better than it was last year, you're riding on hope a little bit to get there. You're hoping that Frank Pollock gets more out of the offensive line. You're hoping that Joe Burrow is able to carry this team. You're hoping for health. I think they've largely, like I said earlier, made lateral moves on the defense. And and I think that you're hoping, honestly, that they're lateral moves. And you've made a great point too, James. They've given so many resources to Lou Anarumo's mm-hmm. defense over the last two years. They spent money on Trey Waynes, DJ Reader, Von Bell. They draft two linebackers, last, three linebackers last year. They this year go spend on two more corners and an edge rusher, which they needed to do because they didn't have starters on their roster. So I, I get that it was a necessity, but they, they've prioritized it now two years in a row. And we lamented yesterday that they missed out on some of the better offensive linemen on our respective tier lists. 
But like you said, James, there's still some guys out there. And so how does this team get better than they were last year? It's they go find the value now. They continue to find, they, I think they did find good value with the corners they signed. They got two guys for the price they were going to have to pay William Jackson to keep them. Now, is that necessarily meaning you're getting better? Well, no, but it means that you have money that you can now spend elsewhere to get better. So they can take that money that they saved by, by going the way they did at corner and then they can invest in a Gabe Jackson, in a Rick Wagner, in a, I, I doubt it, but maybe in a Rodney Hudson, right? So they, they still need to be active on the offensive line. I'm not going to consider this free agency to be a success until they do that, but I think they've gotten everything else out of the way. I think that they can certainly focus their attention there now. You might see some 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 more movement on, on the defensive line, some more attention yeah. given to the defensive trenches, but I think that a lot of it's out of the way. You've got the starters that you needed to get on the defensive side of the ball at key positions, and I really expect their attention to shift hard to the offensive line. I certainly hope it does. Really. I mean, look, the franchise is Joe Burrow. You can add all you want and get after the opposing quarterback all you want and add another edge rusher, and that'd be fun. And do Can you keep number nine upright? And – that's what it comes down to, and that needs to be their focus. And if, and by the way, it's a good draft, and we're going to spend – we've spent months on the draft. We've had a ton of mock draft Mondays. It's a great draft for tackle. I think that there are tackles that they could draft and develop at guard if they need them to start at guard. But this idea that they're going to have two or three rookies, specifically three rookies starting on the offensive line, that's scary, man. I don't want to bank on that. Go get some of these proven guys and show – number nine that you got his back. They're out there. Fine. You didn't want to give Zeitler a third year and maybe that was it, right? Or maybe you just didn't want to give him the money that he got. Okay. Well then go get someone else and we'll see if they do. Cause Trey Turner could end up being better than Kevin Zeitler. He really could, you know, he was before last year, before he was injury riddled with the chargers. So it's not like there aren't guys out there that can be not just upgrades, but significant upgrades and maybe even two to three to four year options. Well, you know, where you're really protecting Burrow for the foreseeable future. But you have to go get him, and, and that's going to involve spending and winning some bidding wars. The, some of these guys are probably have multiple offers or are going to get multiple offers. And I think that part is uh, is the part that the, they sometimes struggle with, and we'll see if they can win the, the battle. They won it with Hendrickson, by the way. I'm sure a lot of teams won after Hilton. And we heard that the Saints were in on a woozy. So th- these guys had multiple offers. A lot of teams were, you know, the Browns and Jets were in on Hendrickson. So they won. You need to win in the trenches. And to do that, you might have to spend a little bit more than you'd like. Uh, and I don't even know if that's necessarily the case with some of these guys, but they're, most of them are upgrades. So hopefully they can get some deals done. Doesn't take much to upgrade on the worst guard guard play in football. So I mean, it's a low bar we're trying to clear here. I, I've even set the goal, and people have argued with me about this. I just want them to get to average. You, you've, you've used the word uh, functional. So it's not like we're asking for a whole lot here, but they, they can't rest on their laurels and go with the same guys. Last point I want to make, James, something that I do want to give the Bengals credit for here is two of the guys they've signed, Hendrickson and Awuzie, both extremely athletic testers, and all three of the external free agents they've brought in are relatively young, mid-20s guys. They've done three to four-year deals, so they're they're really going, if, if they work out and they hit on these guys, 
which free agency, a bit of a crapshoot, probably going to work out to be something like 50-50 in, in a couple of years when we look back on this. That tends to be how it goes. But say they get lucky and they hit on all these guys. They've got them locked up for essentially the the entirety of Joe Burrow's rookie deal. And so if these guys do become part of the core, they've got they've got the the makings of an expanded core, I guess, if they extend Jesse Bates and and you know they you got Jonah on the rookie deal, you got T Higgins on the rookie deal, you got Tyler Boyd signed right now, you got Joe Mixon signed right now. You can start to see the makings of what this team would look like if they're making a run with some of these young guys that they're bringing in for longer term deals. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Make sure you're following along in our tier list that's been published on James's timeline, my timeline, Joe Goodberry's timeline. We've got the tier list contract details going in there as the Bengals uh, make those signings and we get those contract details as well. We'll be back if we need to be. If there's breaking news, you'll hear from at least one of us if we get a late breaking signing for the Bengals. Otherwise... Free agency opens tomorrow, Bengals fans. It's going to be official. Until then, who day? Have a good one.